Hello and welcome to the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We are your hosts, Eric Sturgeon. And I'm Russell Sorry. This podcast is about all things Wisconsin, history, music, and culture. While drinking a few brews. Though we don't often use strong language, the jokes and the content is not intended for young audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Before we begin the episode, we have to give a huge shout out to the Dangits from Madison, Wisconsin for providing us with great bluegrass intro you hear at the beginning of every episode. The song Razzle was written by Jamie Lampkins, but is performed by on behalf of Tom Wasselchuk and the Dangits. If you have a chance, check these guys out at dang-its.com for upcoming shows, music, or on how to book them for weddings, parties, and etc. Thank you for listening. Hey everyone, welcome to episode four of the Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. We wanted to start off by thanking all of our listeners. Honestly, without you, we wouldn't have any of this. So continue to uh, like, subscribe, listen, um, review if you can. Uh, we would like to start using the reviews at the end of uh, every episode too. So uh, reach out on, on any one of those platforms or even just email us too. You can go to our website, projectcapestudio.com. Uh, you can uh, utilize any of the links on there to find us. We wanted to also thank everybody who's supported us on our T Public and bought you know different types of logo gear. So we've got shirts, sweatshirts, we've got mugs. I think there's even yeah, there's there's pins, pillows, yeah. like germs tons of on stuff. There. So thank you for for purchasing that stuff. And hey, if you've received it, go ahead and snap a picture of you rocking the new gear with your favorite beer in hand and we can use that picture on our on any one of our social medias. We also wanted to thank all of the bands who reached out to us with all of their local music and giving us the the uh, the rights to publish it and use it in these episodes. Uh, honestly, without you guys, we wouldn't even have that segment. We need this local music and uh, we've had actually such an uh, such an uh, awesome response on um, on a couple of our posts, reaching out to them. So that's been awesome. Thank you guys. We're building that catalog so we can keep up on these episodes. Without further ado, here's today's main story, Frederick Pabst, the legend of PBR. Yeah, and before we begin, uh, I want to talk a little bit about this beer. It was actually the first beer I ever had. Um, my grandpa used to keep a steady stock in his fridge, and uh, I just remember as a young guy, getting thirsty playing soccer I you know I was looking for juice or something a little more PG rated and uh, I saw that uh, blue ribbon staring me down in the eyes and uh, cracked one of those bad boys I was back in the game and I uh, destroyed that soccer game but also took a nap afterwards (laughs) a nap you passed out yeah (laughs) Eric what was your uh, first experience with the beer honestly I don't think Pabst was one of the ones that I saw until a little bit later on. So I think I was an already established drinker at that (laughs) point. Uh, But um, again, I, you know, it was one of those ones that once I started drinking it, it became my main go-to beer for quite a while. It had just a, a really nice, even smooth taste and wasn't just, you know, super, super heavy. And it was something that you could have you know, more than a handful of, and, and it, you know, wouldn't just totally knock you out. Yeah. I know a lot of times at parties at school is usually like what Keystone light or, you know, those yeah. really cheap cakes. Keystone Milwaukee's best. Those were, those were the ones that we kind of stuck to until 
we we uh, we had a, a little bit better of a palate. We had a, a better taste, and we started moving up to PBR. Yeah, and that'll uh, lead us into our episode, actually, where this beer came from, how its origin story, and a little bit about Frederick Paps himself. So today's episode is about Frederick Paps and the legend of this masterpiece beverage known as PBR or Paps Blue Ribbon. Frederick Paps was born Johann Gottlieb Past on March 28, 1839, in what was then Prussia. This today is actually a part of Germany. In 1848, his parents Frederica and Gottlieb Pabst made the decision that they would leave for the New World and found themselves settled in the Chicago area. At the age of 14, Pabst became a cabin boy on a Great Lakes steamer and worked his way up for many years. He would eventually gain the title becoming Captain Frederick Pabst and always maintained his title to the end. He sailed all throughout the Lake Michigan serving Manitowoc, Milwaukee, and Chicago areas aboard a ship called the Comet. While serving on the ship, he met a woman that would change his life forever. Maria Best was the eldest daughter of Philip Best, a well-known Milwaukee brewer from the area who inherited the family business from, his fa- from her father, Jacob Best, in 1844. On May 16, 1862, they were married. Together, they had 10 children total, but only four survived adulthood. And this was kind of a standard practice during the time. I mean, People always had large families, but the Medicare and, you know, we didn't have the medical system we have today. And obviously yeah. the scientific technologies. Absolutely. Um, but, yeah, they ended up building their home in Milwaukee on Wisconsin Avenue. And uh, it's currently a tourist attraction. And if anyone hasn't been there, this place is amazing. There's many rooms. It kind of has, like, that Victorian feel to it. Everything's just really crisp. Uh, they have, like, a light spectacular where they have, like, Christmas trees. It's just a really awesome place. And honestly, when you're going down Wisconsin Avenue, it's it's a hard place to miss. Yeah, definitely. Uh, really cool museum. Um, so I just want to get this straight. You're saying that uh, Frederick Pabst, he was a seaman? Yeah, he was a seaman. Got it. Okay. So Maria's dad actually encouraged Frederick to uh, go into the brewery business with him. And uh, they, he ended up buying half what it was used to be known as the Philip Best Brewing Company. This is what started him on the journey to becoming the most successful brewer in Milwaukee area, putting out roughly 100,000 barrels per year. Paps became the president of the company in 1873, and eventually in 1889, the brewery's name was changed to uh, the one we all know and love, the Paps Brewing Company. This is where the the actual tale comes in about the beer and how it actually took shape, the name, uh, where it was featured. And it was the company's flagship beer. The beer was originally named Best Select after Maria's father. I mean, what a perfect surname to have, you know, Best Beer. Absolutely. You got, you have to leverage that. If that's your last name, use it. Oh, yeah. And, like, my last name is Sorry, which is Finnish, but nobody wants a Sorry Select beer. I mean, that just sounds like a shitty. And I'm <laughs> telling you what, nobody wants a Sturgeon Select because then it just sounds like you're drinking fish water. Yeah, and I mean, the so the beer ended up going to a judging competition um, looking for America's best beer, and it won many titles, including uh, multiple blue ribbons, hence the name. Yep. And the beer was later changed to Paps Best Select to honor both families. And this is where they won their probably their largest award and probably the most famous one of all. Um, in 1893, a large exposition was planned in Chicago known as the World's Columbian Ex- Exposition, which is more commonly known as the Chicago World's Fair. 
The fair hosted all the latest ideas in architecture, science, engineering, food, and beverages, and featured the likes of Tesla and Edison, who were actually said to have drank beer with Pabst. And if I could choose to drink beer with anyone, I think Nikola Tesla and uh, Thomas Edison would be people I would choose. Oh, for sure. I mean, today, if any of you know Bill Nye, Neil deGrasse Tyson, or even Lawrence Krauss, and they're willing to have a beer with me in Wisconsin, you send them up here, because I'd love to talk about theories with those guys. Definitely. Or Napoleon Dynamite. Oh, yeah. Or Pedro. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But yeah, uh, uh, Frederick Paps was said to have gotten them drunk, and uh, and they said it was the best beer they had ever tasted. And uh, I kind of have to agree with them. I mean, for the first beer I had, it was so refreshing and delicious. Absolutely. It got you right back in the game. Oh, yeah. It's better it's, than Gatorade. It's, it started this game right here. <laughs> um, other notable things that were mentioned at the fair were companies like Juicy Fruit, obviously Wrigley and Wrigley Stadium, Chicago, yep. uh, Cracker Jacks, and a Shredded Wheat Cereal. I thought you were going to say Shredded Cheese. <laughs> <laughs> During the expo, Paps, uh, being a marketer for the beer, he actually placed ribbons around them. It was actually a piece of ribbon that he wrapped around the bottle. Kind of to show he was a showman and he wanted his beer to kind of stand out from the rest. And I'm sure it helped him, you know, win the top prize. You know, seeing that blue ribbon on there actually kind of enticed the judging, I would believe. Yeah, they might have actually thought that they already awarded it the blue ribbon. Right. And I mean, they did win previous awards on top of it, but they ended up winning at the Chicago Fair um, and it did receive the best title and, uh, Eventually, they ended up changing the name to the name we all know and love, Pabst Blue Ribbon. And after the fair, um, everyone was kind of in demand. It was the Blue Ribbon beer, as it was known to like all the breweries, and everyone was requesting after this top prize. And the original bottle actually featured a Blue Ribbon, which was wrapped around it. And Pabst was going through about 1 million feet of silk ribbon, silk blue ribbon per year due to the demand of this beer. And when uh, World War I started, there was a huge uh, silk shortage, and uh, Paps was actually forced to do the printed label we all know and love today, the one you see on every can. Yeah, I imagine that would save money for sure. Yeah. And uh, Frederick Paps, around the early turn of the century, started to suffer from medical conditions, and his health did start to deteriorate. While traveling to California, he suffered two strokes before returning to Milwaukee, he died peacefully surrounded by his family on New Year's Day of 1904. The business was then passed on to his family and continued on for legacy for continued on the legacy. The Pabst Brewery, like all beer in America, struggled during per- prohibition, but they found ways to keep afloat by selling malt extracts and a lot of things people don't know is they actually sold cheese. I, I it's not a common knowledge around here either. Oh, definitely not, but I mean you you have to imagine that there was a ton of people that were either distilling or making beer when prohibition hit, what were those companies to do, but, you know, find another means uh, to make money and use their, their factory and manufacturing equipment. So, I mean, to make cheese in Wisconsin, I mean, that's a no brainer. Yeah. And it's kind of a different path than most places take. Cause if you look at companies uh, like Gray's and Janesville, the way they survived because they had the bottling line, they ended up going to soda so they actually produced soda to kind of keep afloat. Yeah. But they ended up producing 8 million pounds of cheese, which was called the Pabst at Cheese. When Prohibition ended, this cheese line was sold to the craft company. And uh, I just kind of want to pose a question to you. Did uh, your parents end up calling uh, the Kraft Mac and Cheese Kraft Dinner? 
No, uh, but that's funny that you mention it because the only time I've ever actually heard it referred to as craft dinner was the grocery checkout scene in Home Alone. I believe uh, they say these craft dinners or something like that. Yeah, I was just wondering if like any other Midwestern mom used that terminology because it's something I grew up with and I know my girlfriend always is like, craft dinner, I've never heard that terminology before. Yeah, yeah definitely not something we used. By 1950, the label was completely swapped over to the printed label, which we now see every time we crack one of these cold babies. And Pabst continues to be quite successful and hit its peak in 1977, topping 18 million barrels that year. Obviously, over time, the sales started to slump. And uh, in 1996, the Pabst headquarters left Milwaukee and the company stopped production at this facility at the time and it was honestly a sad day for milwaukee and uh, i still hope someday to see the the place return i mean it, it's yeah. a, it's a milwaukee beer i think it's being brewed in california currently they they well they have switched some production to uh miller right i mean some the, the cool thing is they did open up the uh, captain paps pilot house which is on the same grounds and i recommend everyone checking that out that's sure. definitely cool Pabst. Pabst kind of started making a heart like a comeback around 2000 and uh, kind of became the uh, hipster beer of choice is I guess the terminology we'd use. Definitely. You see it in River West all the time. Yeah. And it's kind of like the uh, the tall boy. You know, you can get them at a lot of shows. Um, in 2014, it was acquired by the TCG Consumer Partners. And in 2015, actually still won the best larger brewing company of the year. They also put out uh, a lot of the additional and some traditional beers that they used to produce in the past, such as the Tankard Ale. Um, they now have the uh, Pabst Pale Ale, Pabst Seltzers, Pabst Light, and the uh, Pabst Hard Tea. And uh, oh, and also that Pabst Hard Coffee. Have you tried that? That stuff is delicious. It's really good. Yeah, it, it literally tastes like Starbucks, man. And uh, they also started producing spirits, which I always I found was fascinating. And uh, they released the uh, Pabst whiskey. Yep, yeah, the PBR whiskey. And I have yet to take shots of this stuff, but uh, it's definitely on my radar. Yeah. Um, and like we said before, the beer is currently being brewed in California, and uh, I hope to see it someday return. Um, but after hearing about Pabst, uh, Eric, what did you think of the episode? Honestly. I, th- there was a lot of stuff that was brand new information to me, things that I didn't even know about somebody who's right in our backyard, who has so much history, and uh, about a beer that I've drank a-, a bunch of. Yeah, and if you're actually around Milwaukee, you're going to see a lot of stuff named after them. Um, you know, they got the Pabst Theater, uh, obviously the Pabst House, the Captain Pabst Pilot House. There's just a there's, lot of stuff. There's probably about three different restaurants that have... Uh, the the Pabst name as well, and they utilize that Pabst logo as well. There's one really actually close to the uh, uh, the museum that dons that name. There's one over in Tosa that has the same uh, uh, logo and, and name. Uh, they're called like the Jackson's Blue Ribbon Pub. Uh, these restaurants are absolutely phenomenal, and I, I suggest you hit up any one of those as well uh, because just like the beer, it is delicious. Their cheese curds at, at Jackson's uh, Blue Ribbon amazing yeah if you get a chance to take the tour i mean if you come to milwaukee just try to stop at all these places and just see some of the history all around milwaukee actually if you come during the open doors uh milwaukee uh that's another really great opportunity for you to get well get your steps in because you can walk all throughout all of the buildings in milwaukee 
they're all open. Most of them are free. Not all of them, but most of them are free. And you, you get a, a chance to actually walk through some of the historic buildings downtown that are more than likely normally shut down because they're just businesses and you can't just walk through. Yeah, we try to do that every year to save a little bit of money. They have like Discovery World is open. But my mom did take me, I think, two years ago to the actual Pabst. It wasn't the pilot house at the time, but it was actually just the tap room. And it's just right on Juno Avenue where you can see the old historic brewery and everything. That's and, uh, awesome. Yeah, it's really neat. You can see the uh, the old Pabst logo hanging across the street that just says Pabst Brewery over top of it. It's just kind of a neat place to, you know, kind of bathe in some history. All right. Today's music segment actually comes to us from a British resident living here in Milwaukee. Uh, we are talking about Holy Pinto. Now, we are both fans uh, of this guy uh, and, and the band. Um, he's a really nice guy. Um, definitely go check out uh, all of his stuff on uh, Spotify is where I generally check it out, but I know he's on other places as well. He's got music videos and stuff on YouTube. This this band is absolutely phenomenal. Please definitely go check them out. Everything we've heard uh, from from this this uh, band really great, really catchy stuff too. Today's song is Milwaukee, uh, and we will definitely be keeping it mostly local. Obviously, he's yeah. he's been here for a while. I actually met Eamon Sals. He's the the lead singer and guitar player for Holy Pinto. I met him at my friend Alex Mylink's. Um, at their Halloween house headquarters, they uh, will, you know, sometimes do shows there that are uh, private kind of house shows. And I just, I mean, Eamon happened to be living there at the time. I had never met him before, but I heard his acoustic performance down in the basement and I was fully blown away. I don't generally pull my phone out during uh, live performances like ever because I I generally dislike those people who are trying to record it when it's like, live it, just live it. You know, who needs cameras? We'll just use our eyes instead. Right. right. But I pulled my phone out and I had to record this guy because I wasn't sure when, when I was ever going to, you know, meet him again, hear him again. And then I found out, Hey, he's got a full profile on Spotify. This stuff is awesome. So actually without further ado, let's go ahead and throw on Milwaukee by Holy Pinto. Wash my pills down with a beer, shake my hair and shed a tear, but instead I'm hiding in here. I see old glory in the street, didn't think I'd make it past the age of 18. Now the people I used to pity take pity on me. Tonight and Jeffrey says 
guess I should get a dog that I can't take care of myself Let alone anyone and everything I do I do Is to feel alive Just hungry for a yes Could have gone back home to London And left this place Do I give up on you Milwaukee Will you be my one that got away Will you be my one that got away Awesome. So that, again, was Holy Pinto, Milwaukee. If you have a desire, after hearing that track, to go look more stuff up, he's got a band camp. I think it's holypinto.bandcamp.com. He's also got a profile on Facebook, or the band does, I should say, Holy Pinto. So check out Holy Pinto on, on Facebook as well. Go to their... their uh, Spotify, go to their YouTube, give them a like, subscribe. These guys are phenomenal, and I guarantee you will like the rest of their catalog of music as well. On to the beer review segment. Just as a reminder, the beer review segment is where we find a local beer. We give you a little bit of information and uh, just let you know that that's what we've been drinking throughout the show. So today's beer is actually the Tangerine IPA from Potosi. Uh, this beer is an IPA with a tangerine ju- juice infused uh, taste to it. It is a 6.5% ABV, but you can't really tell that it's that high. It kind of it, it tastes a little smoother than that. Um, yeah, it's insanely delicious, and uh, this is one of those beers where yeah, the ABV is a little high, but you wouldn't really notice it, and it's one you can kind of drink all day. Um, it's another one of those beers where, like, you have a hot, humid day, and you can just really sip on it all day, even at the 6.5%, which, I mean, you kind of got to be careful at that, at that right. ABV, but it you can't really tell. And um, this kind of beer, it's, you know, it's not sweeter, but it has that citrus flavor. And it, uh, you, you know, there, it could really pair well with anything. It could, you know, you could do your grill outs. It'd go great, you know, with something off the grill, hot dog, hamburgers, right. you know. You've got that savory flavor off the grill, and then you add that that citrus, uh, you know, bitterness that you need from that IPA to kind of balance out that meal. I mean, it really it does taste and 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 kind of goes down almost like a line in Kugel Summer Shandy would be a, a close comparison. Obviously, the Summer Shandy is not as high in the ABV, uh, and it's not you know a, a, an IPA, but this one, like I said, and like you said, it doesn't really drink like an, another IPA. It's definitely uh, on the less bitter and uh, less aggressive side. Yeah, and you know the good thing is you don't have to wait for this beer. Um, it's usually on shelves all year round, so you can just go to you know your local Woodman's Liquor and pick this thing up. Nice. And uh, yeah, we do have a special guest to us, a special guest with us today. Her name is uh, Araceli, and uh, she's from the Potosi Brewing Company. We're going to be interviewing her about upcoming events, you know, beers they have on tap, new beers coming out, and uh, yeah, we look forward to talking to her. 
So we are here with Araceli DeWitt from Potosi, and uh, she's going to give us a little information about uh, Potosi in general. Any new beers, events coming up, etc. So right now we do have a pilot batch that we've been that our brewers have been making uh, small, really small, limited batch beers, and those change out pretty regularly. Um, then we also have the Potosi Brew Fest that happens every year, and that's coming up in the, on the third Saturday of August. And we'll have about 50 to 60 different vendors there, all selling beer and some different food options and live music. Yeah, so what do you know a little bit about the history of Potosi in general? Yeah, I do know that the brewery itself started in 1852. We're one of the oldest breweries in the United States. And we... Um, we were open for about 120 years and then had to close down. We even survived through prohibition and we sold something called near beer and root beer and bottled milk as well to survive during that time. And then we closed down, uh, and reopened in 2008. Um, and we've been open ever since. That's impressive. I didn't know that. I got a quick question. Um, so I've been to Potosi a long time ago. Do you guys still have the uh, museum open next to it? Yes, we have the museum upstairs on the second and third floors. It's the National Brewery Museum. And actually, we were kind of in a competition between Coors Light and ourselves. And we actually went out. Awesome. So that National Brewery Museum changes like every six to eight months. They have different exhibits coming in and out. And uh, we have a group of ABA members that come in every week, and they keep everything looking really nice. And it's it's really cool. If you guys haven't been there, you guys got to check it out. We definitely will check it out. Yeah, and uh, eventually we'll make our way up there. Uh, we got some pins and shirts we're going to give you. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah, and so, like, this is the segment where we like to ask our guests, um, how Wisconsin are you? And it's if you're willing to, we got a few questions to ask you to find out uh, your answer and see if you've done these Wisconsin things. Okay, I will give it a shot. All right, sounds good. So the first question I got, have you ever eaten a squeaky cheese curd? I sure have. Yep, on the regular. <laughs> uh, same here. Same here. <laughs> have you ever been to a Packers, Badgers, Brewers, or Bucks game? Um, I have been to a Packers game, yes. That's pretty impressive because those are tickets are hard to find. Yeah, those one that's probably the hardest game to get to for sure. Yeah. Have you ever been up north? Up north? Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um does Wisconsin Dells count? <laughs> yeah, I mean we'll we'll consider that. We'll consider that. Yeah, there, there's kind of a line you gotta draw. I mean, there's central Wisconsin, there's like the true north, and then uh, I mean there's just that's considered up north for us, especially being in the south. Absolutely. For sure. Being being as, as far down as we are, Wisconsin Dells counts. Do you happen to know what a bubbler is? A bubbler? Yeah. Um, that one I do not know. Okay, we actually have an episode coming up. It's a uh, a water fountain. Yeah. It's the Wisconsin like term. Water drinking. Oh, okay. Do you happen to know what a glazer is? A glazer? A, a donut? Yeah. Oh, nailed it. Nailed nice. it. Have you ever been to a party on a farm? Yes, I have. That's Several all. weddings. <laughs> oh, not yeah. That that's actually a, a more trendy thing now, right? Yep. <laughs> yeah, we're from small towns, so we used to party on farms quite a bit. Yep. 
Um, besides Potosi, um, have you ever been on another brewery tour? And uh, any ones you want to give a shout out to? I have been to the Budweiser tour. Nice. Um, and that one was very cool. They have those Clydesdale horses and some cool, you know, beer options that they give you at the end for free. So that was a lot of fun. Nice. Awesome. Yeah. Have you ever made beer brats? And if you have, what beer do you use? Um, good old Potosi, of course. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and then, or Cave. Cave's a good option for making brats in. Awesome. Have you ever been to a supper club? Yes. You have which one? Um, there's Three Mile, there's Schultz's, um, what's the other one in Dubuque here? Morocco Club. Um, I've been to a bunch of them. That's, that's <laughs> Probably all... all of them in the area at least once. Absolutely. And then with that, have you ever had a true old-fashioned? Yes. Well, a Wisconsin Old Fashioned? Yeah, the yeah. one with the, the old brandy yeah, in it. The Wisconsin Old Fashioned, for sure, with the orange and the cherry. Yep. Oh, that's awesome. Delicious. And uh, we, got, we got one more question for you before you leave us today. Um, do you know what a fib is? A fib? A lie? <laughs> nice, I love it. Clo- uh, yeah, close. <laughs> you, you know what it means. <laughs> wink, wink. <laughs> What does it mean? It it, uh, it it's actually our our friendly Illinois brothers. Yeah, that's what we uh, learned on our previous <laughs> one. But that's not really that's what funny. it is. But you fill in the blank if you want. But uh, uh, yeah, but yeah, thank you, uh, thank you for taking the time to uh, be with us today, and uh, we look forward. I I hope we can actually come do a live show with and meet you in person one of these days. Absolutely. Yeah, that would be really great. I'm there all the time. So, yeah, stop on by anytime. Awesome. We'll come bearing gifts. Yeah, we'll definitely have a couple beer koozies and a shirt for you. All right, and we'll have plenty of beer for you guys. Awesome. (laughs) Sounds good. Thank you so much. Have a great day. You You too. Thank you. All right, bye. Bye. So before we conclude the episode, we want to also give a local business shout-out like we do at the end of every episode. Um, Today, it's a co-worker I work with. His name is Trevor Maves. And uh, he's from a business called Great River Customs, LLC. And I highly recommend you check it out. He has a Facebook page if you're willing to contact him. He's also doing koozies for us. He's just a great guy. Um, if you want to just direct message him with any T-shirts, he can do pretty much any kind of promotional thing, wedding stuff. And, uh, yeah, he's a great dude. And uh, that will conclude our episode four. All right. That concludes this episode of Wisconsin Drunken History Podcast. If you enjoyed this vulgar display of Wisconsin, we recommend you subscribe via SoundCloud, Apple Podcast, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. Also, leave us a review on any one of those above-mentioned sites, and we can read one at the end of every show. Follow us on social media, and feel free to reach out, especially if there is a piece of history or weird news you'd love us to share or research, as well as highlight some local artists or music. Our website is projectcapestudio.com. I'd also like to thank my friend and past co-worker, Steph Skibak, for providing us with awesome podcast cover art, as well as the Dangits for intro and outro music, and all of you for listening. As always, watch, watch out, out for deer, deer on, on the way, way home. home.